Wow. When there's no doubt this morning that the presence of Jesus is here, huh? There's something powerful when the people of God come together and press into the presence of God. I've got a word for you today. I'm very excited about it. The miracle is on the way. That's a word for every single person in this place. The miracle is on the way. Let me back up and explain uh, something just a bit. Everyone in our teaching team prepares messages differently. And for myself, I usually feel that God gives me kind of a word or a concept weeks or months before uh, the message. If you, if you don't know, our teaching team plans maybe six months in advance. So we have a lot of time to prepare our hearts, most importantly, uh, and, and prepare our thoughts and our minds and to get a word that God is speaking in and through us. And I knew that I'll, I'll usually marinate on a concept that God's given me and kind of process that and, and write thoughts down, and it kind of all comes together slowly. Some people on our team, like, they just get it all at once. It comes like a week or two before the message, and there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's kind of what makes our team so unique. It's a truly like a mosaic of voices. It paints this beautiful picture, in my opinion, of the kingdom of God. Um, but back in December, about a month and a half ago, I'd say, um, I knew I was slotted to speak in miracles, and I really didn't have a, a premonition or idea of what God wanted to speak through me. And um, I remember clearly I, I'd been praying, like kind of just in my heart, in my head, like, God, what do you want to speak through me for miracles? And I didn't have anything yet, which is a little unusual. One day, my son and I were playing darts in the garage, and he had gone in for a water or a bathroom break or something. And I remember, I didn't pray out loud. It was just kind of a flare prayer to God in my heart. Like, hey, God, what do you want to speak through me to miracles? And I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting like an immediate response. You know, I've been asking that question of him kind of over and over this process. But what I, I didn't hear an audible voice or it wasn't thunder or lightning. But what I heard in my spirit was Judges 13. And I kind of stopped. I go, okay. Well, that didn't come from me because I hadn't been reading in Judges. Um... I love judges, so I thought, uh, maybe it's Gideon, maybe it's Deborah, maybe it's like one of these awesome stories, Judges 13. So I finished my dart game, schooled my son in darts, which is always awesome to do. And uh, yeah, Dalton, I did. Come on over, I'll teach you too. That's a challenge. Here we go. I love audience participation. So um, Judges 13, so uh, later that day I went and sat down and opened my Bible and I read this story and I'm like, okay, God, it's got the word miracles in it, that's good. <laughs> but it wasn't Deborah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't um, Gideon, it was the prelude to Samson, but it wasn't Samson. But the more and more that I've marinated and dug in and pressed into God on this passage, it's kind of a, not a well-known portion of Scripture, but it is unbelievable, and I think it applies directly to your life and my life today. So without further ado, let's, I'm going to read the chapter, and then we'll go back through and kind of uh, uh, go through some points here that I've got for you. So Judges 13, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. 
His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful, you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of the God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she ran quickly and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back to his wife with his wife and asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? For when all of this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, it is too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As flames from the altar shot up towards the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized that it was the angel of the Lord. And he said to his wife, we will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtuel. So it's not Gideon. It's not Deborah. It's not Ehud. I love Ehud. It's the story leading up to Samson, but it's not really about Samson. It's Manoah and his wife, who's unnamed. Do you know one of the reasons I believe that we don't see more miracles today? I think we don't see more miracles today because we're not looking for them. In the everyday, in the ordinary. See, sometimes we're so focused on, quote-unquote, the big miracle, like Samson, that we miss what God is intricately weaving in and through our lives. In other words, the miracle that sets up the miracle. See, the book of Judges is a book of cycles. The same cycle over and over again. The Israelites would fall away from God, and then they would be delivered to, in this case, the Philistines, as slaves or or under their rule. 
and then they would repent and beg God for deliverance, for salvation. God would send a judge and restore them, and then they would do the whole cycle over and over again, much like some of our lives. And here's what I want to tell you today, though, in your life. This is living. This is active. This applies to your life, this word of God. And the miracle is on the way in your life. But while you're waiting for the miracle that you're praying for, don't miss the everyday miracles that are happening all around you. All right, let's break this story down. Judges 13. They're in this, Israelites are in this cycle. They're being uh, dominated by the Philistines for 40 years. And it's at this time that this man uh, from Zorah, the man, a family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife, says that she was infertile and she could not have children. And the angel of the Lord appears to this woman and says to her, Behold, you're infertile and can't have children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. It's interesting that the, the Bible doesn't name Manoah's wife. We, we know Manoah's name, but she's unnamed. And the angel of the Lord appears to her. Now, this was not any ordinary angel. This was actually an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, if you will. And I love this. Jesus doesn't appear to a Manoah. He appears to the unnamed woman. And you might feel like today you are unnamed. That you just exist, that you're going through the motions, that Jesus doesn't know your name, that he cares for other people and their problems. You see evidence of miracles on their lives, but not yours. Wrong answer. Jesus does know your name. Every single person listening to my voice in this place today on the podcast, Jesus knows your name. He knows your problems. He died for you. In your place, he took your sin and your punishment, and he, he had a horrible, brutal death on the cross for you. He is concerned about the smallest minutia details in your life. Make no mistake about it. And so Jesus appears to Manoah's wife, and I love this. He says, behold... Now, the word behold is a game-changing word. See, behold references the past or the present, but whatever follows the word points to a newly asserted truth or newly recognized truth. Amen? In other words, what was and what is is not what is going to be. Behold. Somebody needs to hear that today. Jesus is saying behold over your life, over your circumstances. He's saying to you what was and what is is not what is going to be. Behold. You are infertile and have no children, but behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. What was and what is is not what is going to be. Behold. Jesus is saying that, speaking that into your life today. The world says you might be barren, but Jesus says you're fertile. The world says you're childless, but Jesus says you're going to have children. The world says you're, you're unmarried, you're never going to find a spouse, your marriage is not going to be fixed, and he says, no, the opposite. The world says you're worthless. Jesus says, I've given you worth and purpose. The miracle is on the way. Okay, I need to keep going because only like two of you believe that. You are pregnant, but you may not realize it yet. Get ready because the miracle is in you. And Jesus goes on. He gives Manoah's wife careful instructions. He says, don't drink wine or alcohol. Don't eat any unclean thing. And when the boy is born, don't ever cut his hair. 
Now, this is kind of some weird stuff, right? This was a consecrated call to holiness for Samson. And the same is true to us today. Now, we're not under the law. We don't have to abide by those things because Jesus fulfilled the law when he came to die in our place. But we are the church, the ecclesia, the bride of Christ, the called out ones. The path that we are to walk is a narrow path. Jesus said, broad is the, is the way to hell. Broad is the road to hell. Narrow is the path that I have called you to, a, a call to holiness. So Manoah's wife tells Manoah, comes back to Manoah and tells him everything that Jesus has told her. And this is Manoah's response in verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord saying, Lord, please let this man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. First time I read this, I thought that Manoah just didn't have enough faith and he wanted to hear it for himself from the angel, from Jesus. But when I read it again, he says, come back to us again. I love that because he referenced that, they, that the Lord had spoken to them, even though he had spoken to just, what, just her. He, refer, he realized his marriage was oneness. The Lord was speaking to them. Come back to us again. Tell us more. See, Noah was, or Manoah wasn't being faithless. He was actually believing, and he wanted to lean into the promise. He wanted more of God. He didn't doubt. He wanted more of Jesus, more instruction. See, with Jesus, there's always more. There is always, always, always more with Jesus. And this might hurt you, but if you're not growing and maturing as a child of God, then I would question if you're actually taking steps after Jesus at all. Following Jesus requires growth. He's moving. He's a God on the move. You have to take steps after him. And if you get a taste of him, if you get one small glimpse of him, then all you want is more and more and more and more. And in verse 9, I love this, God answered Manoah's prayer. And Jesus appeared once again <laughs> to his wife. That's hilarious. His wife's out in the field again. God answers Manoah's prayer, and Jesus comes not to Manoah, but to his wife, the unnamed woman. I love this. And she quickly runs back and gets Manoah, and Manoah finally has an encounter with Jesus himself. <coughs> and they have this conversation about how this pregnancy is supposed to look, the consecrated path of holiness that Samson's on, in verse 12, I absolutely love this. If you remember anything today, write this down. So Manoah asked Jesus, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? When your words come true. Not if, not maybe, but when your words come true. See, it's so important for you and I to agree with the word of God that is spoken over our lives, the promises of God that are spoken over us. Amen? About a couple of months ago, my wife, she'll tell you, some of you may have heard this story. She was feeling, if you would have asked her what she was feeling in November, December, she would have said weariness. I feel like I'm living in weariness. And she was almost ready to give up on a few things. Long story short, but she was living under this word weariness, which is not from God. And then miraculously, I would describe this as a miracle, God spoke this word relentless over her life. 
And if you know my wife at all, she is a relentless person. She is a terror to the terrorists of darkness. She is a tiger in her own right for the kingdom of God. And relentless is her word. And literally immediately, as soon as she accepted that word relentless spoken over her, the word weariness dropped out of her life. God did an amazing work in her. It's a miracle. Remember David and Goliath? Israelites are on the, the top of this valley facing off against the Philistines. And for 40 days, they're listening to this Goliath, this champion, speak negatively over them. Curse at them, curse at their God. And David's out with the sheep, with God just having this, these awesome moments, I believe. And his father comes to David and says, hey, Dave, would you take some cheese and bread to the boys at the battle? So he obeys, he goes to the battle, he comes up, and he hears this Goliath taunting the Israelites, cursing them and their God. And he says immediately his spirit, because I believe he was with God, we know that his spirit recognized what was being said, and he said, how can this guy be allowed to live and say this? How in the world has 40 days gone by and this guy is cursing you, cursing our God, and how is he still alive? There is a massive problem here. We need to take him out. So David volunteered to take him out. You know the story. He goes to Saul, puts his armor on. No, that won't work. So he takes some sticks and stones, runs down the hill. Goliath sees him coming and curses at him, laughs at him, curses him and his God. And I love this. David says to Goliath, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in something, the name of something far greater, the name of Jehovah, Jesus, the name that you have defied. And it's time, church, for you and I, when the words of Goliath come against us, when weariness or whatever the word is that comes is spoken over us, it's time for us to say to Goliath, not today, Goliath, not today, Satan. I see your spear and I see your javelin. I see the weapon that is formed against me, but I'm telling you right now that that weapon will not prosper in Jesus' name because I'm coming against that weapon with a word from Jesus, with a promise from Jesus. I come against that weapon in the name of Jesus. And just like David, I'm gonna take the sword that Goliath shows against me, and I'm gonna take his own sword and cut his head off with that sword. So anything spoken against you that is not of God, you find a promise from God. And let that be spoken over your life not what the enemy tries to tell you to believe. Amen? So let's be people like Manoah, who believe the promises of God that are spoken over us. Let's be people that say back to God, when your words come true. Verse 19. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife looked on, watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. As Manoah and his wife looked on, as they watched, are you watching for what he is doing? Are you looking for what he is doing in your life, around your life? Do you see the miracles that are happening? See, some people choose to live in misery and other people choose to live in miracles. Which one are you gonna be? And for Manoah and his wife, the miracle that they had prayed for, their son 
hadn't even happened yet. But because they were watching Jesus, because their eyes were fixed on Jesus, they saw the miracle before the miracle. Are you looking for the miracle before the miracle? See, when you start looking higher, when you keep your gaze fixed higher on Jesus, you will see the miraculous all around you. See, it's not that miracles don't happen today. I just told you of one with my wife's life. We're just not necessarily looking for them. Remember the Israelites in the desert, what should have taken them 40 days to go from Egypt to the promised land took them 40 years because they didn't believe, they had no faith, and they couldn't see what was happening right in front of their own eyes. The Israelites are literally eating manna, bread from heaven, and quail, birds that God has rained down. I mean, if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. They're literally eating it and grumbling and complaining as they eat the miracle. We've got the miracle in our hands, we've got the miracle in our mouth, and at the same time, we're complaining that God doesn't do anything for us. Hello? We need to get our perspective right. We need to shift our gaze from us up to him. We're like the Israelites grumbling and complaining while the manna is still in our mouth. We have the miracle in our mouth, but we can't even taste it or see it. And you and I have the luxury of having the word of God. And you can read this, you can memorize this, you can quote it, you can go through all the, relig the religious motions, if you will. But until you actually taste it, until you actually see it, until this word actually becomes living and alive and a double-edged sword in your hand, it is very possible to grumble and complain while reading the miracle-changing word of God. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? You know what I've found when you're a person that looks for the miraculous? Everything looks different. Everything looks different. The ocean looks different. The sunrise looks different. The cornfields look different. I'm serious. The guy who cuts you off in traffic looks different. Your coworkers look different. Your wife looks different. Your city looks different. Don't get me started on that. If you want to make me righteously angry, you tell me how bad of a junkie a city of Peoria is. God is doing a miracle in this city. God is doing a miraculous thing in this city. And I'm tired of hearing people talk negatively about this city. This is going to be a city that shines out to other cities. You watch it and see. It's coming to a place near you. And you look different. See, some people aren't happy with the way that God made you. You are created in the image of the most high God. You want to change something. You want to see the miraculous. How about you just being you? You accept and fall in love with who God made you to be. And you'll start seeing some miracles happen all around you. So are you going to see the negative in everyone that you meet? Or will you choose to see glimpses of Jesus, the image of God, the miraculous in everyone you come across? See, here's the question. Where are you going to fix your eyes? This may sound really simple, but you're going to see what you're looking at. When I was in South Africa about six months ago, we were driving for work. I was driving to a mine site, or being driven, I should say. And we had to get up at, 
like three in the morning to get there. It was like a four-hour drive, so it was dark. And I'm sitting in the back seat, and there's two guys in the front seat, and they're just kind of chatting away, and we're driving. And if you've ever been to Africa, go sometime if you haven't, but the sun sets and the sun rises are just indescribable, something otherworldly, in my opinion. So we're driving along, it's darkness, and the sun starts to come up like right in front of the, us, like just on the highway. You can't avoid but see it. And I'm sitting in the back seat like having this miraculous Jesus moment. And the guys in the front seat, I don't even think they saw the sun. It was too familiar to them. Remember that Jesus didn't have enough or didn't hardly do any miracles in his hometown? Not, be, not because he couldn't, but because there wasn't enough, enough faith in Nazareth. And I personally believe that people in his hometown viewed Jesus as just the carpenter instead of the son of God. See, don't be so familiar in that sense with Jesus that you just view him as a carpenter, that you take this so casually and familiar that you don't notice him at work all around us. It's time, people, to look up, to look higher, to fix your gaze higher because the miracle is on the way. Verse 17 of Judges 13. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, to Jesus, he said, what is your name, so that when, when your words come true, we may honor you? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? See, Manoah didn't realize yet that this was God himself. This was Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate. And Jesus says to Manoah, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? 380-some years later, the prophet Isaiah would write this prophecy that you all know. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Wonderful, Pele in the Hebrew. It's the same word. Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Can you imagine that? And as they're standing there, their sacrifice on these stones, flames come up from the stones. And Jesus ascends in the flames up to heaven to Manoah and his unnamed wife. And of course, they did what you and I would have done. They fell with their face to the ground. Can you imagine you and your wife in a field watching Jesus ascend in flames to heaven a thousand years before the disciples watched a risen Jesus do the same thing. <laughs> that is incredible. I'm going to ask Manoah about it when I get to heaven. Can you imagine in that moment when Manoah and his wife realized that this wasn't just an angel, this was God himself who had given them a miraculous promise and in that moment of holiness and glory, they just fall on their face to the ground. See, those are the positions that we need to live our lives in. Both looking up, eyes fixed on him, the miraculous, the author and the finisher of our faith, but also face to the ground, heart to the ground, in reverence, in holiness. See, Manoah and his wife, the miracle they prayed for hadn't happened yet but that yet they could see the miraculous all around them. 
Verse 24, so the woman in due time gave birth to a son and named him Samson, which means deliverer. And the boy grew up and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. See, I've come to tell you here this morning that in due time, your miracle is coming. And the spirit is beginning to stir in you right now because the miracle is on the way. God has put something inside of you that will be birthed at the right time, in due time. But while you're waiting for the miracle, don't just sit back and wait. Like Rochelle said last week, press in, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and fix your eyes and see the miraculous happening all around you. Now here's the best part of the story in my opinion. I have to back up a little bit. Noah's Ark. Noah built the boat. It was a symbol of deliverance and, and, and rescue. And God sent that rain down. It covered the entire earth and that ark for 40 days and 40 nights. It floated. It, it, it probably was tossed and turned on the world that was, the entire world was an ocean. And in Genesis 8:4, we read that the ark rested in the mountains of Ararat. And that Hebrew word rest is the word nuach. Do you know the root word that Manoah comes from? Nuach. Manoah means a resting place, a state or condition of rest. See, Manoah rested in the promises of God, just like the ark rested on Mount Ararat. Resting in the miracle that was already on the way. It's not a laziness. Manoah was persistent. He asked again for God to come again. It's a confidence, a persistent confidence. Resting is the confidence that the miracle is on the way. And what did that rest, that confidence, turn into for Manoah? His rest, his confidence, resulted in the promise of his son, his son Samson, that was the greatest symbol of strength ever, outside of Jesus, obviously. Isaiah thirty fifteen says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. See, your strength comes from resting in Jesus. You are like that ark being tossed to and fro on the oceans and the waves of life. And any time those waves can hit you from any direction. And you need to find your mountain. You need to find a resting place on a mountain named Jesus. He's the only one that can secure you. And as you rest in him, that confidence will be your strength. Am I preaching to anybody today? Ephesians 4 says this, so we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried by every wind of shifting doctrine. God has put a miracle inside of you. And I've seen people abort that miracle. It's absolutely tragic. And maybe God's put something inside of you and you've walked away from it. But I'm telling you today, your comeback is today. It's not over. Some of you have given up on the miracle. You've walked away from the miracle. You don't believe in the miracle. But I'm telling you today, your miracle is in you. Your miracle is on the way. And like Manoah and his wife, you can rest in confidence, just like that ark rested on the mountains. No more storms or waves were going to shake that boat. The strength of the mountain secured the ark. Now it's your turn to rest like Manoah in Jesus. 
And no matter what storm or wave comes against you, you know this. Philippians 1.6, being confident, resting, if you will, in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't think you heard me. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you, not around you, not beside you, not above you, not beneath you, but in you, the miracle is in you. Do you believe that this morning? Stand up with me for a second. Jesus is saying you are good soil. I don't know what, what word has been spoken over you recently that you might be believing a lie from the enemy, but I'm here to tell you today, you are good soil. You are fertile soil. Don't believe the lies that are said about you. Believe the truth, the promises of God spoken over your life. We need to live our life like Manoah, saying back to God, when your words come true, not if, not maybe, but when. The miracle is in you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the spirit of God within you. You are good soil. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. The seed is in there and it's about to germinate. Don't give up on the miracle. The miracle is on the way. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascend to God. We're gonna sing a song about that in just a moment. See, the promises of God are for his glory, not ours. Heather preached about that to kick off miracles. But I wonder if we can say yes and amen to his promises here this morning that we can step into his promises and rest in his promises and let, yet our, let our yes and amen rise to heaven. Can we do that this morning? And if you need to step into a promise of God, and I think every single one of us does, but if you need to take some action, I'd invite you to come here to the front and I'm gonna read some promises of God in just a moment and you can receive that over your life. You can drop that word of weariness or whatever the word that's been spoken over your life and you can grab a new word, a promise of God that is true and living and active and will work a miracle in your life. So just start stepping. I'm not gonna stop, just start stepping. And I wanna hear some yeses and amens. Anchor yourselves on some of these. Rest yourself on some of these. Have confidence in the mountain that is Jesus. Okay, ready? The promise number one, the Lord will fight for you. Amen? Amen? The Lord will fight for you. Number two, the Lord gives strength to the weary. Anybody need some strength here today? Amen. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Amen. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Come on, somebody. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Come on. The Lord himself goes before you. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Yes, he's brought you out of outer darkness and broken away your chains. Man, if you don't know Jesus today, you can know him right now. You can step forward into that promise. He died for you. He came to die a cruel death to take your place, your punishment, so that you could live in the best life ever. Not the easiest, the best, and to have eternity with him. You can just say, there's no magic words. You just say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm following you today, amen? He breaks down gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. God, break the, break the bars of iron down today. Break some chains today. Sin is no longer your master. Come on, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Come on, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. How about this one? If the Son has set you free, come on, if the Son has set you free, then what, you are free indeed. 
I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Wow. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There's some prophets to the nations in this place today that are appointed and set apart. And you need to step into the call that God has on your life. That's for you. And how about this one? And my God will meet how, how much of your needs? All of your needs according to his riches in Jesus Christ. All of your needs. You have everything you've ever need with Jesus. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Amen. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen. How about this? Call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. One more. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. God, we say yes and amen to these. We step forward into the promises of God. The miracle is in us. We believe that. We choose to lift our eyes and fix our eyes higher this morning to know that the miracle is on the way, that we can rest in the confidence, and by resting in that confidence, you are our strength. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this together. This is awesome.